Welcome back to that one sports podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Wilson. This is episode number two, but man, I got a guess for you. This is a guy who I have grown up with, played sports with, and a guy that I talk sports with on a regular basis. Super excited to have him on the show, Mr. Chris Hale. What's up, Mitch? How you it's doing, good. my man? It's good to be here, my man. We talk sports every day on the phone. It was about time we did something a little bit more official, huh? I agree. I agree. So um, we're going to start with the breakdown of the NFC Championship. But first, breaking news today. Sean Payton signs as the head coach of the Broncos. How do you feel about that? You know, as a Chiefs fan, you have to have a little bit of pause because you wonder what he's going to bring to the table with a with a good defense and with really an unknown of of Russell Wilson. Me personally, I think Russell Wilson is a is a used car. Uh, he doesn't have that uh, that low mileage anymore. And even when he was in his last couple years in C- Seattle, his stats looked fine. But you could tell he wasn't the same Russell Wilson that had that defense in Seattle. And what's interesting, when he went to Denver, everyone thought, oh, he's going to get that young defense again and he's going to come out and be able to produce. And he just never did. Sean Payton's awesome. And he can really make magic happen with very little. But I still think they're going to take third place in the AFC West. Book it here. Hot topic. Third place, AFC West. You got the Chiefs going back repeating, and you got the Los Angeles Chargers um, taking second place, and I think they're going to take third. Now, after that, once he starts getting a little bit more draft capital and he gets to figure out Russell Wilson, we'll see. Because remember, he hand-selected Drew Brees. They came together at the right time. Right. He's now joining a team that already had Russell Wilson, and I'm pretty sure that had something to do with his decision to go over there, but that doesn't mean that he's going to make magic again. But I have more faith in Sean Payton than I have in Russell Wilson, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. I agree. Um, I will say I'm a little bit more on the opposite side of you. I do think that Russell is past his prime, but I also think because of Sean Payton, I think – he is that good of a coach, and the defense is good. I mean, let's Pat Sertan. I mean, he is that dude. He's a, he's only in his second year, and he was all pro. Um, you got other guys on that defense um, that are just really good, and they're younger. So I feel like Russell won't have to go win as many games. He could just be a game manager. And if he can do that well, not turn the ball over, um, and just do things like that. I think that's definitely going to give them a better chance to win because, I mean, he does have weapons. He's got Jerry Judy. He's got Cortland Sutland. So it's not like he doesn't have anything, but I will say I do agree that I do think that they will be finishing third in the AFC as well. And then the, obviously the Chiefs are going to repeat and Chargers are going to go too, and they're going to just be uh, disappointing again because they can't win a playoff game. Don't even get me started on that. So, yeah, I agree. I I think Sean Payton definitely makes them better, and I think Russell will kind of probably be that bridge between himself and their next probably really good quarterback because that's who Sean Payton is going to bring in. For sure. For sure. All right. Let's go to recap the NFC Championship game, Niners versus Eagles, and the Eagles 
absolutely ransacked the 49ers. I definitely think a lot of that had to do with the injuries. I feel like the 49ers this year have probably been one of the most unluckiest teams ever to lose your starting future quarterback in Trey Lance, to lose your previous guy who took you to the Super Bowl in Jimmy G. You lose both those guys. And then Brock Purdy comes in, steps up as the last pick in the draft, Mr. Irrelevant, and doesn't lose a game until the NFC Championship. And he gets hurt in the NFC Championship, so we don't even know if he would have not been hurt. Like, what would that game would have looked like? Like, it obviously probably would have been a lot more competitive, but the 49ers this year have just been absolutely, unbelievably unlucky. Yeah, and for me, I think it goes all the way back to John Lynch drafting Trey Lance, which I think was a huge reach. And any professional will tell you that any analyst that we hear every day talks about it, right? That maybe it, it was a reach. Yeah. It goes back to the old analogy that if you're told before an Easter egg hunt, that there's an a thousand dollar egg out there and every other egg is going to be filled with money. John Lynch walked by every other egg that had for sure money trying to get that $1,000 egg, which he thought was going to be an opportunity to puff his chest out and say, look who I found deep in the draft. I was willing to give up multiple picks to go get him." And really his story's unwritten, Trey Lance, but it was just a massive stretch. It smells a lot like Trubisky, you know, <laughs> it just does. It, it, to me, it seems like what the Chicago Bears did for Mitch Trubisky. They passed Mahomes. They passed all these surefire talented people to go try to find this diamond in the rough or this grand prize egg, thinking that they're going to be able to show everybody up and go, look, look how good of a GM I am. I can go find somebody. And I mean, where did Trey Lance go? Canada State. I mean, he's like way up north somewhere. Right. And he barely even started there. And now it's, oh, he's just going to be, he's just going to be great. Yeah. And I just think it starts there. They do that, which now doesn't give them any capital. They already had Garoppolo, who was very, very serviceable. And honestly, people laugh, but he was going to be a better option than any of those three. Now, Purdy came out of nowhere. But Purdy's Cinderella story would have ended at some point in time. I don't think he's their future. I do believe that they were unlucky. I had the Eagles winning regardless. If Brock Purdy was their quarterback, if Jesus was their quarterback, <laughs> I had San Francisco win or San Francisco losing that game. I think the Eagles from top to bottom. And you could even go play that game that we always do. Who would you take at quarterback? I would take Jalen Hurts over Purdy. Who would you take at wide receiver? I would take the Eagles receiving core over the 49ers. Now, they got the tight end. Kittle is better than than Goddard but the one thing the Niners hang their hat on is the running game and yeah I would take McCaffrey over Miles Sanders but as a whole would you take the Niners running game over the Eagles running game I wouldn't no absolutely not because they have the number one ground game in the NFL because of those running backs and also because of Jalen Hurts that totes the rock a lot for them Absolutely. And then you go to the defensive side of the ball, my man, and you say, well, hey, 49ers had the number one defense. Well, the Eagles were like number two. So it's not like they were some bums on defense. The Eagles are, and even as a Chiefs fan, this is hard for me to say, the Eagles are probably one of the most complete teams. And yes, their schedule is weak, and you're going to hear all the naysayers go, oh, well, they didn't have to play anybody. Well, you know what? They're there in the ship. They're healthy. They have a strong team. 
and they're going to give Chiefs all, all they can handle. Yeah, I agree. I will also say, though, um, I know we haven't really started talking about the Eagles yet, but uh, we're obviously going to. I think that Jalen Hurt is more hurt than what people realize. No because, pun intended, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. Jalen no hurts. Yes, he does. He hurts for real. <laughs> <laughs> because he, in the in, in NFC Championship game, I mean, he didn't play bad, but you could tell that he just wasn't right. Like normally balls that like he would put touch on to get to receivers, it wasn't there. And just his body language to me, he I mean, obviously no one is a hundred percent right now, but for him, these two weeks just like for Mahomes is gonna be vital to get back to being as healthy as they possibly can be. Because if Jalen is the same percent he was against the 49ers in the NFC championship game, that just bodes well. For us as KC Chiefs fans. Yeah, and I do believe a shoulder injury is more significant than an ankle. I mean, Mahomes' ankle is very significant, but you can still do a lot of things as a quarterback with your ankle. When your right shoulder is bum, that makes it very difficult to play the quarterback position. Because even though he's a stellar runner, you're talking about throwing the football, right? That's what he does. And if anyone's even had a shoulder issue before, ever, in their life, I don't care if you're throwing ball outside with your kid or you're throwing Frisbees to your Dotson, I don't care. (laughs) That little hitch you have, it bothers you. Now, Jalen Hurts is 50 times stronger than me and more of an athlete than me. But even when I'm working out, you feel that in your shoulder. You don't want to go touch bench press. You don't want to go touch shoulder press. You, You favor it. And I agree with you. If you watch his game, I think in the NFC Championship game, there was like a hitch in his throw. It was almost like he was thinking and not just letting it rip. Now, there's two weeks to prepare, and we don't know what it's going to look like, but I do believe that the Eagles were at a disadvantage a little bit at the quarterback, but then Purdy gets hurt in the in the fourth <laughs> play of the game, and it was like, oh, it's back to being even again. Right. So final final takeaways for San Francisco in the NFC Championship game? I think they find the right quarterback and they're going to be right back there. I mean, they've got McCaffrey. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know what his contract is, but I do believe he is signed, right? He's coming back the next year. Yes, I do believe so, yes. If you get a quarterback, I'm going to say his name, and I know you don't love the man. I do. If Tom Brady goes to the Niners. Oh, my gosh, bro. Really? They're, I'm telling you, man. They're right back in the mix. Because even a 52-year-old Methuselah Brady is going to be able to not turn the ball over. He still throws a decent deep ball. And with Shanahan's running game, he may turn around and hand the ball off. You know, Now, Shanahan's going to have a hard time. Brady using his walker to get out on 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 bootlegs and stuff but you know that's gonna be something to see if he goes plays for his hometown team the Niners are right back in the thick of things because think about it the Rams I think are are in disarray Seattle's gonna be a decent story again next year the Cardinals they have a baby toddler at quarterback and he's not coming back from timeout until <laughs> midseason you know so yeah. NFC West is right back open again. So I think they're going to be fine. And I think the Eagles are going to be okay as well. I I think these two teams you're going to see in the playoffs again, and I'm not really sure who they're going to be really threatened by. Yeah, I would, I'd agree with you, but I think instead of obviously going after 
don't get me wrong, I absolutely respect Tom Brady. But as a San Francisco 49ers fan, you spent all that draft capital on Trey Lance. You have to find out if he's worth it or not. So with the picks that you If they do that, then I think they're going to end last. You think so? I I have no belief in Mr. Trey Lance. See, I would maybe agree with you, but their defense is just so dang good. If you think about it, they literally have an all-pro at every single level of the defense. Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, who's the safety? Ufunga? You're talking about Jimmy, Jimmy Ward. Oh, and then no. you got Ufunga, yeah. Yeah, Ufunga. So it's like, let's I make mean, sure we're saying that name yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's make sure that we're saying that name right. But you have an all-pro at every single level of that defense. Like, their defense is legit. And the, even the guys that aren't all pros, they're really good to elite as well. The only person Yeah, I'd- but I'll be honest with you, Mitch, though. I, I, I personally don't believe that a defense carries you anymore. I think it carries you to a good record. But the way that the NFL has changed the rules, the odds of us seeing a 2 Tampa Bay or a 2000 Ravens or even – recent the 15 Broncos or the you know 13 right. Seattle Seahawks you're not going to see that again because what they forget is you still had Peyton Manning in 15 even though he was ancient you also had Russell Wilson who played very well too and made the plays that he needed to make you give me Trey Lance I don't think he makes the plays and Brock Purdy get, give that man his flowers Brock Purdy came in through the deep ball well, which I think he's a better thrower of the football. You know that buzzword we always hear. He's a great thrower of the football. I think he is a better thrower of the football than Trey Lance. Trey Lance may be an athlete, but I don't think Trey Lance can win from the pocket like Brock Purdy can. And he sure as heck can't win from the pocket like old TB12. Oh, gosh. Mr. Uh, Goatman, Goatman coming in, baby. I will say this. I definitely think that Trey Lance, I mean, I just don't. I mean, you spent all that to get him. You at least have to find out because he is an athlete. Me personally, um, even though Brock Purdy showed what he can do, I mean, basically the defense was so good, Brock Purdy was never forced to really win a game. He just had to manage it. That's all he had to do, if if, if you think about it. The defense is so good. He doesn't tell me a time in the game where, where he had to absolutely go make a play to win a game. The play to George Kittle. And I know it's not at the end of the game, but him to make that throw across the middle. Now, Kittle's catch was unbelievable. I won't say that. But Purdy has shown me more on tape than Lance has. Very true. But also because Now, Purdy, though, Purdy was cheaper, you know, and you do uh, have to think like that. So when you're talking like a GM, I'm pretty sure they do look at Trey Lance of like, dude – I spent all this money on that. It's almost like when you're at a restaurant, right? When you don't spend a lot of money on something, you don't get that to-go plate. You're like, ah, no, it's fine. That was only eight ninety nine. But let me tell you something. When you spent $77 on a steak, you're taking home the bone. Right. You're like, exactly. nah, I'll eat the gristle, my man. Like, <laughs> we're, we're going to make sure we get everything out. So I'm not arguing your point from a GM perspective. But if you ask me just a simple eye test – I think they know they reach with Trey Lance and they're going to try to make it work, but I don't have any faith in Trey Lance. That's just my personal opinion. Wow, that's crazy. That's crazy. Um, Okay, so then do you think that they trade one of the two quarterbacks 
in the offseason? Or do you Garoppolo. think they have them battle him out? I think Garoppolo. I, I think they'll trade Garoppolo. And here's the thing, that if they're smart, they'll trade Gar- Garoppolo and get some of that draft capital back for the mistake they made for Trey Lance. So, so, so then need- now it's easy to can Trey Lance. And let's say Purdy is their future. Why would you not bring in a Brady and say, okay, Trey Lance, we're going to go trade you too. We're going to get trades back for you and for Garoppolo. We're going to trade you. We know Trey Lance is only going to get like a, what are one of those really bad ones when they're like seventh round compensatory pick or something like that. Just horrible, right? You're like, oh, dude, these are horrible. Conditional picks. Okay, but I think there are too many teams that are – Bad enough at the quarterback position. I okay. think that there are okay. teams that so are let's bad think enough in the quarterback like position that would give up enough to get him. Okay, so, so let's. I mean that 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 makes my case stronger. So let's say they give a fifth round for Trey Lance, and then they give you a second and a third, or a second and a fourth for Jimmy G. Now you're getting some of those picks back. You think you got a good GM. You go sign Brady to a one year deal. You think Purdy is your future. And now he gets to sit behind literally the best person he could sit behind and watch. And now you may have your quarterback for the future. And guess what? If you don't and Brady's gone and Purdy's gone, then it's just a start over. You're not losing anything. Because Trey Lance, to me, even if he works, what's his ceiling? Dak Prescott? Oh, my goodness. Hold the phone. Not Dak Prescott. Oh, my goodness. That's hot off the press. You know, he's awesome. I don't foresee that. And again, I don't get paid like they do. So this is just me sitting in my comfortable chair talking to my homie about what the Niners should do. But if that was me in that chair like John Lynch, that's exactly what I would do. Get back some capital, get the goat in there for one year, sell tickets. You know they're at least going to be good unless he gets hurt because even Brady's fall off is not going to be atrocious. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, absolutely. Even if he throws you 21 touchdowns and eight picks – isn't that about what they were having right now? <laughs> yeah, that's very true. That's very true. So I guess we'll just have to uh, agree to disagree. Um, Absolutely. So, all right. And I just want to note that in my previous podcast, in my first episode, I did predict the Eagles over the 49ers, basically because I thought and also slash knew that Jalen Hurts would outplay Brock Purdy because Jalen Hurts is – that dude this year obviously would have had a closer running with Mahomes in the MVP discussion if he wouldn't have gotten hurt. But I just knew that there was no way that Brock Purdy was going to outdo him in the, in the NFC Championship period. Yeah, for so, sure. So, all right. Well, good call, my man. Good call. I, I appreciate it. So, next on the docket, ho, 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 baby. The Chiefs defeat the Bengals in the AFC Championship game. And as a Chiefs fan, oh, how sweet it was. All of the talk from Cincinnati, you had guys saying, we'll see you at Burrowhead. You had guys talking about, we're the big dogs now. You even had the freaking Cincinnati mayor call out the team and Mahomes talking about uh, Joe Burrow was his dad. And then not only that, I don't know if people realize this, but Joe Burrow fit before the game when he walked into the stadium. It was Said like sorry in advance. It, can you believe the audacity and the disrespect? First of all, 
yes, I know you went to the Super Bowl last year, but remember whose house that you're in because if you were so good this year, we'd be playing at your house, right? But oh no, you are here, so that means that we won more games than you, even though obviously you have the the issue in in the Buffalo game. But it wouldn't have mattered even if Cincinnati would have won that game. We still would have had a better record than them. So then that means that, you know, last time I checked, the game would have been at Arrowhead. And honestly, to be honest, I really think the trash talk, I think that motivated the guys even more because you could tell after that game, you could tell what Travis Kelsey said. You know, he said um, – Words for that Cincinnati mayor, which I absolutely love. He said, know your role and shut your mouth, you jabroni. Which, I mean, which that was awesome because that, that that took me back to like, you know, middle school days watching, you know, WWE. And I just thought that was hilarious. But <laughs> absolutely. You had, you had all these guys just talking and the Chiefs really didn't say nothing because they're just not that type of team. They're just a the type of team. Okay, yep. Okay, okay. Well, we're going to see what happens when we play. And, man, that game. So going back to my first episode, my predictions, uh, I'm not going to lie. My first episode, I was pretty on point. I predicted the Chiefs to win, even though I think I probably did that, did that more with my heart than my head. But I thought the biggest difference in the game would be that Patrick Mahomes, because he is that dude, he is the best quarterback in the NFL, in my opinion. I don't care what no one else says, that he would, on one leg, he would just figure out a way to win the game, and that's exactly what he did. And I also talked about and predicted that the young DBs that we've had on our team this whole year that have just got drafted, that they would come up big, and they absolutely did. You had Jalen Watson come up with a pick. You had Brian Cook and Joshua Joshua Williams combine for a pick. Uh, Cook tips it to, to Williams on a deep ball, gets a pick. So the, the young DBs stepped up and played really well. And the most crazy thing about that is, is our best corner, LeJerry Sneed, he gets hurt like the second or third play of the game. And in my head, I'm thinking like, oh no, dude, they are about to just start slicing and dicing because a lot of people didn't realize that Sneed was following Chase. Even though it was only for a few plays, he was fo- he was following him and was going to follow and travel with him the whole game. Yeah, you know, we hear it all the time, Mitch, all the time. I mean, even growing up when you were playing football and you start to play tackle and you're not playing flag anymore and linemen actually matter, right? You you hear <laughs> yeah. every coach tell you, you win in the trenches. You win in the trenches. And and I help coach a little little league team, and I repeat those same sentiments to them. Hey, you're a running back. You're not going anywhere if your big hogs up front don't feel like blocking that day. So I knew going into this game, and I, of course, picked the Chiefs to win too, a little bit like you, more of my heart than head. But I also knew because of the trash talking that they did and the pulling at Superman's cape, remember, Superman doesn't look down. He's always looking straight. So you got little Burrow and the little Bengals, a little cute story. Oh, we the big dogs, we the man. You know, you're always cocky on the climb up, but when you get to the peak, you're a little bit more humble because you look back and recognize the grind. They didn't win anything. They haven't won anything. They thought Mahomes was hurt. They were going to come in and bully us around. We don't have Tyreek Hill. We don't have Tyron Matthew. They're thinking that we're losing all these all pros, and they were just going to come in and do what they did last year. 
and they didn't. We shut them up, and I don't want to hear this, oh, hold this, oh, hold that. There were so many opportunities in the game for each person uh, to, to capitalize, and we just happened to capitalize more. If you think that the refs were only on the Chiefs' side, then you didn't watch the game. There was plenty of times that the Chiefs were held, wasn't called. Oh, absolutely. Ended up being a big play. Oh, so absolutely. my whole point to this game was the trenches. If we could protect Mahomes and we could get to Burrow, we were going to win the game. Because remember, the only way a DB holds up is with pressure. There is no way as a defensive back on any level, let alone the NFL, that you're going to be able to guard anyone over two or three seconds. you got to get to the quarterback. And another position that I don't care what level you played it at is quarterback. If people are in your face and you're getting hit, I don't care how tough you are or how much you look down the shotgun barrel and try to throw a, a 15-yard in pass, if people are around your feet and people are coming and hitting you in your jaw, you're going to be rattled. And Burrow... No Bengals fan will admit this, but all those little throws he threw at the lineman's legs, we got all up in his butt like Charmin. And they just didn't know what to do. He got rattled. That pick that he threw that Watson jumped up and snatched it out the air, that was a horrible pass. And he did it because he was rushed. We got to Burrow, and to me, it's simple. That's why we won. We got to Joe Burrow. Yeah, and I would say that's probably the first time in the game I've seen him like that to where, like, for example, that what you're talking about, when he threw the ball at the – dude, he wanted no business in getting hit. Yeah, he hey, won you know how he looks no. like Macaulay McCokin, right? <laughs> okay, yeah. you know in Home Alone when he's all, like, cocky that he's first at home by himself and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was before the robbers showed up. We showed up. We're the robbers. So now Macaulay Coconut ain't all that happy that he's sitting there home by himself. Right. That's the first time I've ever seen him be really rattled too. Oh, cool I, Joe, all right. that stuff. We came at, blitzed him. Chris Jones had a game. Yeah, he did. A game. Probably the best game I have witnessed as a Chiefs fan of him. Maybe not stat-wise. I know he's had some games with three or four sacks. But it was his impact on the game. Three tackles for loss. Two sacks. I think they they mentioned he had like eight QB hurries. The line couldn't block him, and that was the difference. We made Joe Burrow not cool Burrow. We made him little boy Macaulay McCulkin. So get your glasses on. Go ahead and walk back with that apologize shirt because you need to apologize to the city of Cincinnati that you didn't get it done because we did. Exactly. And and I will say, man, I was really frustrated with Chris Jones because all the money that he'd been making, and especially with last year's AFC Championship game, to literally have Burrow in your graphs two times, and if you sack him both those times, that probably wins us the game, and you you can't, and all that money he was getting paid. And in my opinion, like this game, I was joking around with people, and I said, you want to know what? If Chris Jones don't does not have a sack this game – we need to trade him because I don't care what he does in the regular season. He can be great in the regular season, but how does that help us come postseason time? Because that's when it's money time. It's so funny. I had a buddy I work with. I told him that, and he texted me in the first quarter when uh, when Chris Jones got his first sack. He said, well, he got one. And I texted him back. I said, no, he needs to get it in money time, fourth quarter. And that is absolutely exactly what he did. And he came now, up big. And he, so he did. And, and he did. He did. And talking about that game, Mitch, a fascinating perspective that people aren't looking at is what do the Bengals do now? You know, Nick Wright has talked about it. We, oh, yep. 
me and Nick Wright are not necessarily awesome. I mean, I don't even know the guy, and I love that he's from Kansas City, but I don't necessarily agree with all of his takes. Oh, boy, but that's he, my dude. That is my yeah, dude. Yeah, see, and, and, <laughs> and I like him overall, but there, there's a lot of takes, and that's because I'm just not a LeBron fan, and that dude would drink right. LeBron's bathwater. Right. And I'm not down for that. So listening to him, though, he made a good point of the salary cap game is a true thing in the NFL. You need to win while your quarterback is on that rookie deal. And if they're not on that rookie deal, then that quarterback holds the whole franchise in the palm of their hand. Are they going to take a team-friendly deal, kind of like Mahomes has done or what Brady's done his whole career? I'm going to take team-friendly deals. My opinion, Aaron Rodgers never did that. And look, they never really put a lot of talent around him. He was getting all these maximum deals towards him. And football is not like basketball, where you can get a couple – Supermax players or one Supermax players, and you can contend. Football, you have to have a well-built roster. There's too many facets of the game to have money tied up into one person. And I bring up that point because now where does Cincinnati go? If they go pay Burrow this year, you know that trifecta that they have over there that is a great receiving core. Gone. You, You can't keep Boyd, Higgins, and Jamar Chase. And you definitely can't keep Mixon. So you have all these individuals, right, that you have to pay. And how do you make that money work? I get the salary cap rose up to $225 million or whatever they just announced that it, that it increased to. you got to pay your people. Right. And Burrow is good, and I do think Burrow can make a lot of things happen. But we've never seen Burrow really without top-tier receivers. And that's what I love about this year for Patrick Mahomes as a Chiefs fan. Absolutely. You and I both talked about this in the offseason. Can he have that GOAT-esque ascension? Can he say, yeah, I lose Tyreek Hill. Granted, I still got Kelsey. I mean, you got to have some weapons. Right, you can't exactly. be winning with people from high V. Right. <laughs> you know, you, you got to have some, some dudes, right? Absolutely. So, yeah, he's got Kelsey. But those receivers that he had, and he proved it in the championship game. All the injuries that we had, and he's still out there slinging on one leg. I think Burrow is good. But his story's yet to be seen if he can actually elevate younger receivers that are not just studs. Because Jamar Chase is one of one. He is one of one. He, Jamar he is Chase is a He's beast. a man. He's a grown man. He is a grown man. <laughs> uh, have you seen that man's calves in his socks? <laughs> no. They look like two porterhouses, man. Like the, He's just built different. And he's not that big of a dude. Right. He just is a stud of a receiver. And it's it's interesting he wears number one because in my mind he is one of one. Okay, and what I'd like to talk about and counter with he don't get me wrong I absolutely hundred percent agree, but I think some things that a lot of people aren't talking about is alluded to what you said all the receivers we lost, dude, Marquez Valdez Scantley had a game, bro, and and if you think about it, a lot of people are talking about the touchdown pass that Mahomes throws him which was an absolute just stupid, ridiculous. Patrick Mahomes is one of one, and he's the only dude that makes that throw. But a lot of people forget the down and distance, be- the set of downs before that because it was third and like seven, and he throws it to MVS. He catches it. He splits two defenders, realize he's not going to get there, and then has the wherewithal to stick the ball out to the first down marker. If he doesn't do that, the Chiefs are kicking the field goal. And so – just small plays in the games like that that a lot of people are not going to remember. Dude, that was him catching that pass and stretching that ball out. That was essentially 
the difference in the game because if the Chiefs kick a field goal there, that changes the whole the whole complexity of the game. They, they probably lose that game. And for Mahomes to be out there thrown to MVS, Marcus Kemp, which by the way, everyone, Marcus Kemp has 24 tackles and four catches this year because he plays special teams. That too Mahomes was thrown to in the fourth quarter. And also a rookie, Sky Moore, who has played limited because of the receiving core that we have. And Mahomes, Speaking of Sky, though, man, how cool oh, is that to see dude. all the problems he had? Now, everyone that was at my house, which would have been my brother, my family, were all watching. I can't lie about this because they may hear this podcast and call me out. When, that, when I saw him, when they panned to his face and he was the one returning kicks, I dropped my hands and said, oh, my hell, they got Sky Moore returning this kick. I thought he was going to botch it. And what, what has he shown us that he wasn't going to? And then little 24, and just so everybody knows, that number looks good on somebody because that was my number back in the day. He catches it. He does a little shimmy up the middle, which speaking of the Bengals, their special team coach is an idiot to kick down the middle of the field. He catches it, takes it down, gets to the 50. When you talk about those small moments in a game that lead to somebody being victorious or somebody being on the losing side of the ball – that's the stuff that you don't recognize until after the game. He doesn't get us to the 50. That never happens. Because even if he gets a 10-yard or he fair catches it, whatever, Mahomes might have done his magic, but he may not have. Him getting us to the 50-yard line was all the difference that we needed. So oh, him yeah. stepping up. I would, Yeah, and- I would say him, and then I would also say Harrison Butker was a very similar situation. He's been an absolute one of the best kickers in the league, but for whatever reason this year – um, he had some struggles in, in the beginning of the season, so much as to where you had the old punter of the Kansas City Chiefs of 14 years kind of call out Tommy Townsend on social media of, about telling everyone it's not just Harrison, it's also the hold. And I thought it was I thought it was kind of crazy because he calls out Townsend, who's holding for Butker, and then Townsend kind of retaliates back, and then. Dustin Colquitt goes on either 610 or 810 sports locally here and essentially says, hey, if me calling him out makes it to where he's holding the ball better and Harrison Bucker doesn't miss a field goal and that means that that brings the championship back to Kansas City, I don't care. And I'll tell you what, I'm not going to lie. When Harrison Bucker lined up for that kick, I was a little nervous because of what had happened. But to see, like just like Sky Moore, to see him absolutely just bang that through like that, that's just uh, just a great story of just redemption. Yeah, and, and, you know, we talked about the NFC Championship game, and that led to where do you think we go from here. Now that we've kind of recapped the AFC, you look at both teams, we've already kind of talked about the Bengals, where they're going to have to kind of navigate through their salary cap. But the Chiefs, we don't say it enough that this was supposed to be a not a rebuild year, but a reload year, where yes. maybe we weren't going to go as far this year. Maybe Mahomes was going to have a setback losing one of the premier deep threats in NFL history. Not not just over the last five years. Tyreek Hill will go down as one of the best deep threats, if not the best deep threat ever, ever. His ability to catch a short pass and take it was just amazing. And then you pair him up with Andy Reid, and it was like he had all the making. Yeah, just superpowers. It was like, hey, <laughs> they're going to try to double team you or bracket cover you, and I'm going to go set this play up where you're now in the backfield as a running back, and they're going to have to go one-on-one with the middle linebacker. And what middle linebacker do you know 
that can stay with little cheetah gremlin. Nobody. Right. I mean, Tyreek Hill, just athletically superior to most human beings. He just is. So we didn't know what the Chiefs were going to be. I went to training camp this year. I watched him. Mahomes was doing Mahomes-like things. Kelsey was doing Kelsey-like things. But I'm not going to lie. Watching the receiving core, the only one that really stood out to me was Jody Fortson, and you had Sky Moore. Juju was okay. I mean, I think Juju was going to be Juju. But even MVS, they just couldn't connect. And even at the beginning of the season, how many times did Mahomes miss MVS? Oh, my gosh. It was that so frustrating, bro. Because he's literally And and every time, what did we hear? Every game, every missed throw, you got Tony Romo. You know, you know that's the Tyreek Hill effect. You know, he yeah. just threw it too far, couldn't get to him, used to throwing to a guy that has speed, all that stuff. And everyone in Kansas City would roll their eyes like, dude, Tyreek Hill's been gone for three months. Shut up. We don't need to hear him anymore. Dude, every game. Every game. Every we game. Have, and, we have- and then it wasn't even the Romo effect. They would go play on Fox and some idiot would be like, oh, um, if they had Tyreek Hill, now remember last year Mahomes was throwing to Tyreek Hill like yeah. no, like everyone forgot that, right? So it's it's interesting that it's this reload year for us. We have all these things kind of not go our way. We have we have injuries and we get into the divisional game and Mahomes gets rolled up on. Henny comes in. Anything is possible. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and does some work. But Mahomes, we don't know what he's going to look like. And then we get the Bengals, who, let's be honest, have kind of owned us over the last 18 months with all these hobbled players. And now we're in the Super Bowl. They said it on on the broadcast for CBS. Eight of our 22 defensive starters that dress were rookies. Eight of them. And four of them started as DBs. Let that sink in. Yeah, let Let that that sink sink in. in. Say it we, again, Mitch. Let that sink in. We had yes, four DBs that started in the AFC Championship game. They're all rookies. They're all on rookie deals. Like my man, Nick Wright, said, like what you were just saying, this was supposed to be not a rebuild, but a reload year. This was going to be the type of year of, oh, yeah, we know we're going to make the playoffs, but we know we're probably not going to be playing for a Super Bowl. Okay. And then now all of a sudden you have us playing in a Super Bowl. And see, and here's the thing in the AFC, if you were in our division or in the AFC, this was the year to do it. This was the year to do it. Because Absolutely. I mean, this was the year to knock us off. And they didn't. And barring an injury, because that can change everything. I mean, I'm I'm not trying to put bad juju out there, but next year one of our main guys get hurt and they're out for significant time like a Mahomes or a Kelsey or a Pacheco or even on defense. Yeah. Knock on that wood, baby. <laughs> that changes everything, right? Oh, absolutely. And that just changes the whole dynamic of the AFC West. But this was their year on paper. And a lot of what so on so so called professionals, right? Oh, were coming don't. out and saying, hey, this is gonna be the year the Chiefs <clears throat> don't have it. And honestly, as a Chiefs fan, of course you're gonna get a little upset. But when you look at what we had, I can't blame them, right? You're looking at rookie DBs. We don't know what they're going to be. We know Willie Gay is good. We know Bolton is severely underrated. We didn't know what Chanel was going to be. Frank Clark, you never know with that guy when he's going to show up and not. Chris Jones, who knew about him? Our D-line was thin. 
And then Mahomes loses all these the, these weapons, and now he's got to figure out who to throw to and what to do. Right. I don't blame him. But after week three, I would have stopped with the nonsense. Oh, I, I would have yeah. been okay. Yeah, and, and I will say, like, some of the national media, media guys, in particular, Lee, who I will absolutely call out, Bart Scott, how dare you to – I don't know if you just wanted a hot take or – you just wanted some attention, but the absolute disrespect before the season starts, not only does he pick, the, I believe, the Chargers to win the division, he mutters and says, Kansas City is not going to make the playoffs. Are you kidding me? Man, I don't know if that, th- this day and age is all hot takes, man. I mean, you and I right now to get more ratings, I could step out here and say, I know a guy who knows a guy, this hot take, Trevor Lawrence is a transgender. And people <laughs> would believe in that stuff, right? Right. And you would get people to start, well, his hair is long. Well, you know, he's this. He could just be a big girl. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff that I thought Bart Scott was doing. He was just going out there to say something to be to be different. And they all do it. I mean, every single talking head in sports media does that. They'll say something wild and outrageous because they just want it to stick. And the worst one at that is Skip Bayless. Oh, agreed. I, I couldn't hear that guy last week talking about not even giving really Mahomes his flowers and they should have done this and the Bengals should have done this. It's like, dude, stop. Mahomes showed you what I learned from the game more than anything. Every great player has to have moments. People will remember moments over stats. Stats, stats in my opinion, actually rank three. I think you've got rings, you got moments, and you got stats. People will always remember rings. People can't even tell you how many uh, MVPs that Michael Jordan has, but we all know he's got six rings. I bet you if I asked you right now how many regular season MVPs does Brady have, most people don't know. But you ask them how many Super Bowl rings Brady has, and what do they say? Seven. Seven. And then you got to have moments, right? You got to have moments. Michael Jordan, the flu game, the tongue out, all the different things that he did. What Mahomes did on Sunday night, he got his moment. On one ankle, he loses all these people. Patrick Mahomes came out and made a legacy defining moment. And I'm about to get my T.O. voice on and say, that's my quarterback. Because that is my quarterback. That's what I'm talking about, baby. Absolutely. Yeah, man, I couldn't agree more. Like, people, I think, sadly, even though Mahomes is so young, people have already, he's kind of already got that Brady effect where people are just so tired of seeing him winning so much. That's why you have all these outrageous takes. And and, and I'll tell you what, and I believe, because, you know, a lot of people were talking about, like, you know, if Mahomes goes out on one leg and beats the Bengals, like, this is going to be his flu game. Like, everyone's going to remember that time Patrick Mahomes went out there on one leg and beat the Bengals. And, I, and I'll tell you this. I will give you my top three quarterbacks in the NFL right now, just real quick. Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes on one leg, and then maybe Joe Burrow. Because Patrick Mahomes on one leg just proved he beats a Joe Burrow. I mean, plain and simple. As much as people don't might not like that, but that just is what it is. Patrick Mahomes on one leg with guys that have more tackles than receptions. He was throwing to in the fourth quarter, and he figured out a way to beat Joe Burrow. So I absolutely agree with you. I think that people remember moments more than stats because everyone's going to remember 
this game in particular because of of, of his ankle. And so absolutely, man. Yeah. So I guess we'll uh, wrap up. I guess we can get some final thoughts on the Chiefs. One thing I will say is that kind of alluded, alluding to what you were saying earlier is if you think about it, this was the year to get the Chiefs and no one got it done. You think about all the teams in the AFC, the Chargers in our division, who just spent all that money. They like they're they're going to be in cap hell, and they're going to have to pay Justin Herbert. You think of Denver, who just traded all that capital away to Seattle, and then you so like everyone is in cap hell after this year because they wanted to beat us this year and they couldn't do it. And so now we have a situation to where Chiefs are sitting in the Super Bowl and they're in great cap space. I know this might sound biased, but and, and and we've talked about this. People better hope we don't win this year. Cause if we win this year with how young that defense is, especially that secondary, dude, if we win this year, we have a shot to go back to back. And that's just something crazy to think of. But if we win this year and the defense continues to get better, the DBs that obviously are not rookies anymore. They just continue to get better, and I believe they will. The Chiefs have a great shot to go back-to-back because they got that young defense. They have that man, Patrick bleeping Mahomes, and they got Travis Kelsey. And that's a combination as long as they all can stay healthy, which if they stay healthy and we win this year, we have an absolute great chance to go back-to-back. I would concur with that. I you never know what's going to happen with injuries. You never oh, know what's sure. going to happen with internal strife amongst players right inside the locker room where winning gets difficult and you have to have a culture. That's why I've always respected New England. Now call them what you want to. They got caught cheating or this or that. They're the greatest football dynasty ever. Now I'm not going to try to compare them to other sports cuz they're just different. But football-wise their dynasty never shut off. It was like 20 years of just, they were the evil empire. And if you ask me, and again, being biased, the Chiefs have that making. It's starting to feel really eerie like the Patriots, where they're always going to be there. Mahomes, you talk about Burrow with my windows, my whole career. Mahomes can legitimately say that. Mahomes' window is probably his entire career. He's always going to have a chance to win because he's that great. He's a Manning. He's a Brady. He's all of these great quarterbacks that they were good their almost their whole existence, and he's going to be that for us. So I, I'm with you, and I'm kind of getting that New England vibe. But again, you never know. Injuries, contracts. This offense is going to look different when Travis Kelsey hangs it up. Oh, absolutely. When he hangs yeah. it up. You're, you're not going to find another Travis Kelsey. They just don't grow them in tight end factories, right? Well, You're, you're not going to well, find them. You're not going to find them, but, I mean, we have been pretty lucky when it comes to tight end. We had Tony Gonzalez, and then obviously we had a little spurt, and then we literally went from Tony Gonzalez, first ballot Hall of Famer, we had a little low, and then we got Travis Kelsey. So from the tight end position, we have been absolutely just very lucky because when it's all said and done, we'll have had probably two of – the best four or five tight ends ever. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so that that would be my final thoughts of the of the AFC Championship game for sure. Okay. All right. So uh, last thing, what we're going to do, what at the end of every every episode is, uh, we give a shout out. Um, the shout out is obviously sports related, most mostly. Um, it doesn't have to be sports related. So I will my shout out this week will go to 
Chris Jones. Um, he absolutely took over and dominated the AFC Championship game. I mean, you could even argue that he was the MVP that game because of how absolutely he just dominated. To me, that was the first time in that type of situation Chris Jones had a Aaron Donald-like game. He was just that dude, and he absolutely wrecked it for us. And so this week, my shout-out goes to Chris Jones. My shout-out's going to be MVS. MVS, baby. Nice. Just his ability to step up. And he's shown flashes, right? He was more of a deep ball threat with Aaron Rodgers. We knew that he was coming in to really replace, try to replace Tyreek Hill in being able to spread the field and take the top off the defense. He did that. You know, he did that and more. He was running across the middle. He was running those deep drags. His way, his catch to contort his body on that third and eight throw down the field was just awesome. And it showed the the growth, and he waited for one of the biggest games to show up, and he did. So my shout-out is to MVS. Awesome. Well, my brother, I can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast. We'll definitely have to do this again. And until next time, everybody, remember, be kind because everybody you meet is battling something you have no idea about. So until next time, peace.